On today's show, the Hawks lose at home to the Denver Nuggets in a game that featured an explosion for Bogdan Magdanovich and also the ejection of Trey Young and many more things. We'll get into all of what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1606 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash Use promo code LawtonMBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Check it all out at Prize Picks right now. And also, make us your first listen each and every day here at Lawton Hawks. Find us and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today's show, We'll focus on what became the sixth loss in the last seven games for the Hawks. Unfortunately, if you are a Hawks fan, of course, the Hawks are now 9-13 on the season. They're not playing all that well at this point in time. And also, they are now four games under 500 for the first time in almost two years. They started out very well in this game, actually. Led by as many as 11 points in the first quarter, up by eight at the end of the first and then gave the lead back by the time they got to halftime, and then got blown out of the water, honestly, in the third quarter. Um, Trey Young got ejected near the end of the third quarter, which we'll come back to later on in the podcast. Um, the, the biggest bright spot was Bogdanovich, who actually had 40 points and a career-best offensive night for him. Led a comeback, and the Hawks were actually in this game to the very end, but they ended up losing by a final score of 129-122. to And we'll get into all of what transpired here. So if you're new to the podcast, what we'll do at the top of the show is kind of go bigger about what transpired in this game. And we'll kind of dig into the details, some observations throughout uh, throughout the middle of the podcast. At the end of the show, we'll talk about the players and how they all fared um, individually in this game. But um, of the lead story, beyond just the result itself, DeAndre Hunter was actually out of action in this game with with what the Hawks were calling right quad tendon soreness. So that left the Hawks down their starting forwards, uh, both Jalen Johnson, who's still out, of course, at this point in time, plus Hunter. And that left the Hawks small. That left the Hawks without a lot of defensive punch in this game. Atlanta then actually ended up starting Garrison Matthews at the three in this game, which we'll talk about more later on. Um, they brought up Seth Lundy from College Park. He didn't play in this game, but there's some insurance there for Hunter. And, uh, you know, obviously going into the season, if you told me that the Hawks were going to be without Hunter and Johnson for a length of time, they would be uh, rough defensively at the very least, which, which was certainly um, the case in this spot. Uh, big picture, though, the Hawks were underdogs at home in this game without Johnson and Hunter by about three points, according to our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, actually, the biggest home underdog the Hawks have been this season. And, uh, of course, they lost this game. Uh, but they're off, by the way, 3-7 and seven at home is kind of unacceptably bad for Atlanta, even when you kind of factor in all the context. But in this loss, I will have to kind of lead with the side of the floor, which I thought the Hawks were actually you know, the bigger problem in, and that was, of course, the defense. So they had a 131 defensive rating in this game, at least in the competitive portion of this contest. They allowed 75 points in the middle two quarters. That kind of swung the game. Um, actually, kind of a weird stat overall. The Hawks won the first quarter and the fourth quarter by a combined 18 points in a seven-point loss. That's tough to do. I mean, you got smoked in the middle of the game, and they definitely did by double figures in both quarters. But Denver shot the ball very well in this game. 53% of the floor and 41% from three. They got to the line 29 times at 64 points in the paint. 19 second chance points. It was really good across the board from Denver's offense in this game against the porous Hawks defense. Atlanta did force um, a lot of turnovers this game. Actually, led to 25 points on turnovers. That's actually a pretty impressive amount. But that was really the only positive area for the defense, at least according to the numbers. 
I guess they kind of held Jokic in reasonable check. He had 25 points, 9 assists. That's kind of very typical for Jokic in a lot of ways. But everybody else other than Porter Jr. kind of got loose for the Nuggets in this game. And again, we'll talk about more later on in the podcast, but um, just personnel-wise, and this isn't it doesn't explain all of it, but the Hawks just don't have personnel right now on defense, in particular on the wings. Um, they're very small, and Denver is, number one, huge, and number two, excellent on offense. Like When they have their full complement of player, which, which they did in this game, it's probably the best starting five in the league. They just won the title last year, all that stuff. Not an excuse, it's just kind of the reality of what's going to happen there, and the Hawks were small and overmatched on defense throughout this contest. On offense, kind of a weird nuanced game on this side of the floor, I would say. So a 122 offensive rating for Atlanta, which is a pretty good number. In fact, it's a very good number. Uh, Denver is not great defensively, but they're average. They're solid. They're not bad at all. Um, and that's a good number against anybody, really, if you're the Hawks, especially when you factor in the trade and play um, his normal amount, only 26 minutes from Trey because he got ejected in this game. And without Hunter and without Johnson, you know that you can't really ask for much more than this from the offense. Um, the middle of the game was not particularly good. I'll say that. Um, and they were carried by Bogey. Also, which is an important context, but big picture, sort of on the whole offensively, they did enough to be competitive and to potentially sneak away with the win in this game. Bogey is the big story with 10 threes and 40 points. We'll talk about him more later on, but crazy performance from him. He was red hot the entire game, really. But other than Bogey, the shooting was not very good. So the rest of the team shot 7 of 27 from 3 in this game. And that includes a dismal 1 of 10 combined for A.J. Griffin Garrison Matthews and Wes Matthews. They're pure supporting wing pieces uh, in the absence of Hunter and Johnson. Because obviously the rest of the minutes on the wing went to Bay and Bogey, who always play and play big roles. But the guys who don't always play a ton uh, were basically filling in, quote-unquote, for the combination of Johnson and Hunter. Those three guys combined to shoot 2 of 11 from the floor and 1 of 10 from 3. That's tough. Um, the Hawks actually did end up shooting the ball solidly from the floor. 46% from the floor in this game, 39% from 3. Um, it did flip in the middle of the game, though. The Hawks were well below 40% in the middle of the game, and they were red hot in the start and, and the end of this one. To carry the ball, though, 10 turnovers is a very good number. Um, they didn't shoot well at the rim outside of the first few minutes of the game. They actually were 16 to 30 from the, from the rim in this game. But, um, you know, they weren't perfect. I think Murray had some positives and negatives. He was kind of, of course, the focal point with Young out of the game. I thought Trey, when he was playing, played pretty well on offense. Um, you know, Sadiq Bay was fine in this game. Um, they got nothing from the wings, and Bogey was obviously incredible. But honestly, I think the Hawks coming into the night kind of had to have a not just solid, not just good, but like an excellent offensive game to win. Because if you remove the defensive personnel that they lost without Hunter and Johnson against Denver at full strength, and yes, it was at home, but um, it wasn't like it was a raucous Monday night crowd by Atlanta standards. So all that said... They need to be better than a B minus, B plus on defense. Uh, sorry, on offense in this game, and they, and they weren't. So it was still defensively. That's where they lost the game. But that's also was that was also, that was also predictable given who was not playing and who was playing on the other side of the floor for Denver. So the Hawks have now lost six of the last seven, and that is brutal for sure. It is important context to note that like five of those losses were against teams that are really good in situations where the Hawks were underdogs. They lost in Boston, they lost in Cleveland, they lost in Milwaukee, in Philadelphia, and then tonight at home, yes, but against the reigning champions at full strength. So none of those games are bad losses. But I will certainly also note at the same time that you don't want to go 0-5 in those games. Plus, they lost a game to Brooklyn at home that they probably should have won. So going 1-6 in this stretch without Jalen Johnson 
is not what the doctor ordered by any means. Should they be two and five? Probably, maybe even three and four, but they aren't. And that leads to frustration. Um, I think Quinn um, was kind of upbeat after the game. Um, in fact, I, I transcribed some of the quotes on, on Twitter and posted them, and some Hawks fans were like bothered by the sort of the moral the moral victory aspect of the thing. And Quinn didn't say that, but he talks about being proud of the team. And I get why he said that. Like the Hawks were resilient in this game. They played all the way to the finish. They were down big in the fourth quarter the entire way, and they kind of fought back into a, to get into the game. But at the same time, it's the NBA, and you can't just write that off. So. Um, before the game, if you asked me if the Hawks were going to win tonight, I would have probably told you they would lose more often than not. That was the absence of the guys they were losing, plus the just some respect for the reigning champions in Denver. But it's another, it's another game that the Hawks were not huge underdogs in that they, that they didn't win. I talked about this a little bit on, on the show on Friday, but the theme of this season for me so far, as far as like you know top level, is that the Hawks have not won the games that they could have stolen against good teams. Um, you know, we'll touch on this more probably tomorrow on the podcast and maybe in the future, but they did win two games in the first like week and a half of the season um, in impressive fashion against Milwaukee and against Minnesota that were games where they weren't favored. They were kind of, you know, the good, positive, kind of somewhat surprising wins. And ever since then, the Hawks have beaten the bad teams that they played, but they have not really gotten any of these wins that you kind of need to get over the course of an NBA season to kind of bake wins and get um, on the positive track. So at 9-13, and nobody's happy. I can assure you of that. Um, tonight in a vacuum, not a, not a bad loss, but also when you, you, it's not just a vacuum all the time. Even I, I, if someone who's trying to preach nuance on this podcast all the time, it isn't just a vacuum. Losses compound on themselves, and we'll have more on this later on in the podcast, but not one where the Hawks can be, you know, down to the dumps too badly based on this one performance, but still you, you just keep losing and those things, those things kind of, kind of mount on you. And it is tough sometimes to be positive in the face of all of that. All right. We'll have more on this game coming up and including how this game unfolded in the middle of the game, as well as the ending player stuff and more. But first a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest DFS platform in North America and also the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. All you have to do is prize picks, is pick two to six players, and then choose whether they actually have more or less than their projections in a ton of different categories across sports. And you can win up to 25 times the money on your entries. Also, there's combo projections across sports that can allow you to have two or more different players from different sports, different leagues involved in those projections. And they have a huge selection of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else. They have projections on the NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, and many more. And they have the reboot policy as well at Prospects. They are the only DFS platform that has an injury injury, injury insurance policy. I've really enjoyed checking out Prospects all year long. I'm digging with them all the time. And NFL season, college football season, as bowl season's coming up right now, NBA, of course, college basketball, etc. The experience there is easy, it's fun, and I highly recommend it at Prospects. And what you need to do right now is go to prizepicks.com slash LotsOnNBA. Use promo code LotsOnNBA for a first time deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is prizepicks.com slash LotsOnNBA. Use promo code LotsOnNBA when you get there. Check out DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports, and it's made easy with Prizepicks. All right, we'll dive in now to uh, all of what transpired in this particular game. Um, and at the top, I will address a question I got a lot of, and that is basically why did Garrison Matthews start for the Hawks in this game? So Garrison played 17 minutes. We'll talk about how the way he played later on. But ironically, this is his first start as a Hawk since he arrived last season. And pretty interestingly, his first NBA start since he actually, since he actually was in Houston, and his last start came against the Hawks, actually, on April 10th of 2022 in a meaningless game. So that's interesting. I did not love starting Garrison. It doesn't enrage me like it does with some Hawks fans, and Quinn kind of talks about how like starting doesn't really matter that much. All that said. But... I will say this first, not a lot of options without Hunter and Johnson. 
That's the first thing. And I think, obviously, the thinking was to keep Bogey in his typical role. And just for throwing this out there, I know I'm, I'm certainly one that admits that I am not as much invested in who starts and who as I am and who finishes and who, who plays more minutes. And Bogey played 36 minutes in this game. So it wasn't, it wasn't as if they, under, they underutilized Bogey. He couldn't really play more than he played, realistically, in this game. Personally, I would have probably started Bogey or I would have started a Kongwu, which is interesting because I know that would have been kind of out of left field. But given that Denver is huge in the front court, they have Michael Porter Jr. is ostensibly the small forward. He's like a legit 6'10", 6'11". Aaron Gordon is not that tall, but he's definitely a beefy physical player. If there was ever a night to start a Kongwu and Capella, it would have been tonight. And they, they did play that group in the fourth quarter, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast. But, um, you know, again, it doesn't bother me that much. They, they did play Griffin in this game. Um, Wes Matthews is more of a guy they want to keep the minutes limited for. So, like, you know, in the end, does it matter that they started Garrison? Not a lot. And actually, the Hawks were up in the first quarter. They played pretty well with the starters in this game. But um, that's all I have on that topic for now. The Nuggets, the Nuggets were only sending a lot of players at Trey defensively. Um, multiple bodies they were showing and blitzing and all that stuff. And Trey had actually had a great situation early in the, thir- in the first quarter with three possessions in a row where he, uh, he and Clint Capella teamed up for a great play. So Trey had a great no-look pass to Capella for a dunk. Um, a good reminder, by the way, of what the Hawks did not have at their disposal on Friday against Philadelphia, where he is, you know, that passing is kind of jump up, jump up the screen a lot of, a lot of the time. Uh, another nice pass to Capella on the next possession, and then Capella actually threw like a stunningly nice backdoor pass to Trey for a layup on the next trip. That was kind of a fun sequence for the offense. And Atlanta led early on and really led the entire first quarter. Um, situationally, rotation-wise, it was nine guys that played in this game. No real surprises. Um, Griffin did play after four DNPs in a row. He had the least minutes and did not play that well, but he was back in the lineup. Uh, Wes Matthews, Akongwu, and then, of course, Bogey as the sixth man, as he basically always is. Um, the Hawks had a nice, a nice run mid-quarter, 11-4 to go up by seven points. I thought that was the best stretch of the entire game from, jo- from, from DeJounte Murray, who ended up with 23 points. Uh, sorry, 21 points in this game. But um, I thought he was aggressive in that stretch in a good way. Uh, a pull-up three, got to the rim a couple times, and then the rest of the game kind of settled into like more of the frustrating like mid-range, passivity, um, all that stuff. So kind of a tale of two kind of situations for Murray across the board here. But the Hawks were up, up by eight at the end of the first quarter. They, they made six threes. They had nine, turn- sorry, nine assists and one turnover in the first quarter. They played great. And uh, the middle of the game was not as kind. Um, I did think that Trey kind of annihilated Zeke Naji in isolation early in the, in the second quarter. Um, but I thought, you know, once the bench came in and got settled in a little bit more, it was not fantastic. AJ, I thought, struggled in his first his first stint. He missed a rotation. He got blown by by Julian Strother. He missed an uh, extra pass that would have been an easy three-point attempt. Uh, just not just not playing very well. Um, there was a very funny sequence in the middle of the quarter where Wes Matthews and Garrison Matthews took two back-to-back just terrible threes from the same spot. Uh, Wes did draw a charge, though, to offset his, but kind of a funny moment from your supporting players. Um, the Hawks were down by the middle of the quarter, unfortunately. Julian Strother, who I, I've always liked a lot. Uh, Kevin Chenard of Fox.com likes him even more than I do. But he had a big first half as a rookie for the Nuggets to kind of keep them alive while their best players were kind of easing into the game, let's say. Um, Bogey played a ton of minutes after he came in off the uh, off of the bench. And then uh, Denver had the first of two big runs. So a 13-4 push by the, by the Nuggets to close the half, and the Hawks scored four points in their last eight possessions in the first half. Kind of rough there. They cooled off offensively after the hot start, despite Trey and Bogey having 30 combined in that first half, and then it got settled in. So the big downturn was the third quarter, especially early in the third quarter. The Hawks actually opened the third quarter four of 16 from the field and got down by 20 points after about eight minutes. They scored nine points in eight minutes, 
early on, the shot quality was not terrible, I didn't think. But they couldn't make any shots. And then after they started missing shots, they started to press. And it spiraled, I would say. Um, and also the Nuggets made a bunch of shots. And credit to them. But needless to say, I talked about this a little bit more earlier. But I'll talk about it more specifics now. A lineup with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Garrison Matthews, and Sadiq Bey is not likely to stop anyone. Especially stop an elite offense like the one that ever has. So the Nuggets had a 144 offensive rating in the first two and a half quarters of this game. And the Hawks just could not afford to have a bad shooting stretch. And from the start of the second quarter to the middle of the third quarter, they were 14 of 39 from the field. That just couldn't happen. So again, they kind of had to be, I don't know about perfect, but they had to be very good offensively in this game. And they were good for most of the night, but they were not great at the entire game. And that was part of the problem. Now, Bogey tried his darndest to keep the Hawks in this game kind of by himself. He had 11 points in a row in the third quarter to kind of keep the, keep the game on the rails. It was kind of teetering to being like a blowout at that point, and Bogey went nuclear. And then, though, the wild sequence in the third quarter happened. So this resulted in three technical fouls, including an ejection to Trey Young. So Trey got, Trey got called for a T for wanting a call that he did not get. Um, and I thought it was a foul. Uh, you see the replay, I'm sure, if you listen to this podcast, but if you haven't, I would encourage you to find it. I thought it was a foul. It was not crazy, 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 no call, but it was. I thought it was a foul. Um, after the game, by the way, Lauren Williams of the AJC got to be the pool reporter for, um, if there's an injection or something like that, the official has to talk to some designated reporter. It's, it's usually um, Lauren in Atlanta. And Lauren asked Ben Taylor, who's the official crew chief, why the foul was not called. And he said, he basically said that Young initiated marginal contact by clamping his arm down, sorry, his arm up and under the defender's arm. So there was no legal contact by the defender. I don't love that, but it is what it is. Now the controversy. So Trey gets a T and on film and even in the, in the building, it didn't seem like, like it was a very obvious why, but Taylor said, and I quote now from Lawrence pool report, Quote, he received a warning and Young continued to, be, to direct unsportsmanlike comments and then claps at the official. End quote. I, I don't know about that. Um, it's interesting. Like, we'll never know unless, unless Trey tells us, like, what he actually said. Uh, that's something you probably would have had to have heard at courtside. But um, that got a technical foul. And then that obviously set Trey off. And then Quinn steps in. He starts arguing. He gets one, too, for being out on the floor too far, I, I suppose. And then I thought Igor Kozkov, the Hawks assistant coach... Probably saved Quinn from being ejected. I have to admit, when I saw the ejection signal come in from the official, I thought they were ejecting Quinn and not Trey. But then Trey got teed up second time and got ejected. And I'm sure once he got the first one, he just kind of lost it, which is understandable. But anyway, that all resulted in free points for Denver in a game that became close later on, which is unfortunate, and also resulted in the Hawks' best player not being there in the fourth quarter. So they were already down 15-ish, 16 points, something like that. So they were probably going to lose this game anyway, I have to, I have to say. But uh, that didn't help at all. Um, by the way, in the third quarter, where the Hawks lost the quarter, Bogey had 11 points on five shots, and the rest of the team had 13 points on 20 shots, which kind of a microcosm of the game in some respects. Um, in the fourth, it was basically desperation time the entire way, which is understandable because they were down a bunch of points. Uh, they tried the two-center lineup, which they uh, actually asked that about the game um, Sorry, pregame to Quinn Snyder. I, won't, I don't have the audio for you now on the podcast. If you want to listen to what Quinn said about the two centers before the game that I asked him, you can find that at patreon.com slash BT Roland. But he talks about how the fact like it's kind of the, I think he used the term necessity is the mother of invention, which kind of like they're doing that because they kind of have to right now. But I thought it was going to happen more in this game, honestly, than it did at the end. But they finally went to it in the fourth quarter and they played it for eight consecutive minutes by the end of this game. By the way, Murray 
Bogey and Bay and Akongwu all played the entire fourth quarter. They were trying to win this game. They were trying to steal this one, and they almost did. Um, Murray had five points in a row, cut the lead down to 11. They were chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Then Bogey got hot once again. So Capella got a steal. Bogey had a three to cut the lead to seven with about two minutes to go. And then Bogey hit two more threes, his ninth and tenth of the game, to get it down to five. And then the Hawks forced a turnover with 32 seconds left and had a chance. with the ball down five. Now, obviously, they're still underdogs down five with the ball. Um, Bay got fouled at the line and missed the second free throw, which was a big swing. Then there was a scramble. The ball was out of bounds, and Quinn challenged it. Um, it was not overturned, nor should it have been. It was a bad challenge in, in some respects. And they had to foul, and that was kind of it. But they won the fourth quarter by 10 points. They were right there. They never gave up, which, I can, again, Quinn praised them for. Um, without Bogey going nuts, they lose this game by 15, probably, which or maybe even more than that. So keep that in mind. Like They kind of had, they kind of needed Bogey to go crazy to still lose this game by seven, and we're down by more than that for most of the fourth quarter. But they kept fighting, which I think is a admirable thing in this spot. But as, as I said before, that's not going to be enough all the time. they got to win some games, and uh, we'll have more on that in the near future, I can assure you. Okay, with all that said, we'll have more on the player-by-player stuff in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NBA and NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 in your pocket if your team wins. Beyond the awesome perks of signing up with FanDuel, they have all the stuff you're looking for across the sports betting space. They have over-unders, they have point spreads, they have money lines, player props, future bets, live betting, same game parlays, it's all there at FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, easy to use, and they, and they cover the entire range of sports at FanDuel. Of course, the NFL, NBA, college basketball, college football. They have the WNBA and MLB futures, especially right now. They have college, you know, they have all kinds of college sports. They have golf, tennis, soccer, they have auto racing, they have MMA, boxing. It's all there at FanDuel. And they have tons of Hawks stuff as well, including the entire scope of stuff in advance of the next two games for the Hawks in Toronto on Wednesday and on Friday. And right now, is the best possible time to sign up with the folks at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and a partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On right now. Check out the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network with an offer that you will absolutely not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash Locked On, FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, we're going to go to uh, the bench, but we're going to save Bogey for the very end of this discussion. So I'll start with AJ Griffin. So AJ played nine minutes, did not score, two points, one assist, over one from the floor, um, I thought AJ struggled. And I, I said this on Twitter tonight. I don't want to make this as simple as it might sound, but I thought tonight was a, a good example of why AJ is not playing. Now, that is not me to saying, that's not me saying that I don't think he should play, because I've said numerous times I think the Hawks should be dedicating some minutes to AJ on a regular basis. And he had four DMPs in a row before this. I don't love that. But if you're looking for reasons, basketball reasons, present day, why he's not playing, they were there for you tonight. He didn't swing the ball a couple times defensively. It's kind of a mess for AJ right now. He's not playing with a lot of confidence. And yeah, you could certainly argue that maybe playing him more would give him confidence. I wouldn't argue with that. Um, he played a six-minute set in the first half, and the second half is very quick. So, uh, you know, we'll see in the future. I'd like to see AJ play more sort of dedicatedly, but he's not been playing well either. So that's sort of a uh, touchy both sides thing right now. But that's, why, that's kind of what I have on that front today. Um, Wes Matthews, 0-4 from 3. Tough there, but got two sorry five rebounds, two steals, two uh, two points for Wes in 18 minutes. I thought he good. I thought he gave them a lot of defense, but offensively it was kind of a mess in this one. So that's the downside with Wes Matthews, who um, is their best defensive option of the bench wings by a wide margin, but also is their worst offensive option. So like 
you're kind of doing a little bit of both. Um, obviously, AJ and even even Garrison have more offensive juice than Wes Matthews does, but defensively, he's kind of their backup four in tonight's game in a lot of ways, and um, was valuable there, but just didn't have it going on offense. Uh, Kongwu, 28 minutes, a lot of that at the four in the fourth quarter, but 7.6 rebounds, three assists, and a block for uh, Fornieka. I thought he played okay. I thought the first half he had issues with with Jokic, um, kind, of, kind of went through him in a lot of ways. He's done pretty decent against Jokic in the past, but he was not very good against Jokic in this game. I thought he was actually pretty good at the four, playing next to Capella in the fourth quarter, but I thought he was just okay in this one. Um, we'll save Bogey for the end. Garrison Matthews, 17 minutes, 1-5 from three. 1-5 from the floor, same shots. Um, no rebounds, one assist, one steal, minus nine. I don't think Garrison played very well. Um, I think he gives them a little bit of, you know, hard-nosed defense. Um, not always great defense, but certainly is willing to get in there and mix it up. But it's it's tough to play him that many minutes. I, I will just be the first to say that. He's also kind of small at the three in particular. So um, I don't think he played great by any means. I would like to see a little bit more of AJ probably. Um, but still, a lack of great options is kind of the story that I would point to. In this one, uh, Sadiq Bey played 40 minutes. He kind of had to. He was their only healthy and available power forward in this game. Uh, so I thought he was fine. Uh, 16 points on 6-11 from the floor. He was 5 of 7 on 2s, 1-4 from 3. 4 rebounds, 2 steals. Sorry, 2 assists, 1 steal, and 1 block. I thought Sadiq gave them solid minutes. Was not great, but was not bad either. And also was playing physically, and they kind of needed that in this game. Uh, Click Capella, I thought was awesome in the first half. Like, awesome in his first stint in particular against Jokic. He was more ordinary after that. Although I thought he played well in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, 14 points, 8 rebounds, and 2 assists for Clint with 1 steal. Um, he was 6 of 11 from the floor and 2 of 2 from the free throw line in this game. He gave them good minutes, I thought. Uh, Trey. Obviously got ejected. Uh, <laughs> that's tough, because like... You know, the games, they're probably going to lose anyway, but it would have been nice to have Trey around in the fourth quarter. 19.9 assists for Trey in 26 minutes. I thought he played very well offense, other than some turnovers that were a little bit ill-advised, but I thought he was in control for the most part offensively in this game. Defensively, not his best work. Um, I thought it was notable to me that they actually had Trey defend Jamal Murray when they started running four in this game. Um, that surprised me. Not a ton, but some. Uh, with DeJounte kind of being the guy who has the rep defensively, they went they went with Trey instead. Um, but I thought Trey was okay when he was playing, and then obviously the early exit there. Uh, DeJounte, weird game. 38 minutes, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists for DeJounte. Two turnovers is pretty good uh, in that small sample size. Sorry, large sample size of not turning the ball over. But efficiency-wise, he was not great. So he started this game off really aggressive getting to the rim, and then he kind of stopped doing that. In fact, he was 5 of 15 on twos. That's really bad. Um, obviously, some of that is him taking some tough shots, like but some of that's what he what he likes to do, unfortunately, in some respects. So he actually was three three away from three, but only two free, free throw attempts, and uh, the rims pressure stopped. Passing wise, he's just not the same as Trey. And uh, I thought Dejounte was not particularly good after the first stint of the game. Uh, and then lastly, Bogey was brilliant, man. I mean, it's a shame it came, it came in a loss, but just some numbers on Bogey, by the way, while we're here. He tied the franchise record for threes in a game with 10. The most franchise, he's set a new record for the franchise with 10 threes off the bench in a game. He scored 40 points on 25 shots, which is obviously excellent. Um, third, many, third most points by a Hawk in a bench role in history of, this, of the franchise. And it's been more than four decades that a Hawks bench player has had 40 points in a game. And that happened in this game. The only two guys who ever had more than 40 off the bench for the Hawks before this were Pete Maravich, pretty famous guy, 
and John Drew, who is like a very, very, very good all-time player. So like, pretty nice company there. And uh, yeah, he was brilliant. I mean, obviously everyone watched the game knows this. He just couldn't miss out for a while in this game. Um, also had three assists and uh, one turnover. Very solid there. Um, it's he, and he's capable of this. I've always said when he has it going, he's just a, he's a special player. Um, I think he might be, if not the favorite at this moment to win six man of the year. He's certainly high on the list for the season after tonight. Bogey's averaging seventeen points a game, and uh, by the way, almost twenty three points per game. Sorry, per, per thirty six minutes, which is actually number two on the team behind only Trey. Um, he's shooting 40% from three on the season. He's been elite efficiency-wise. If the Hawks were winning more games, he'd get more attention. But I think that Bogey is essentially a sixth starter. Bogey is a starter. For most teams in the league, Bogey's a starter. And on this team, like I get why he doesn't start, because you're playing, you have Trey and Ajante. But when Bogey is healthy as he is right now, and Bogey's playing with the swagger that he's playing with right now, he is a starter. He's a top 100 player in the league. He's very good. And uh, that was a reminder of that tonight, even in a loss. So, all that said, We'll end the podcast now, but that was a weird one for the Hawks, and um, now they have a pretty interesting road trip coming up. We'll have more on this probably tomorrow on the show. I'm planning to do a podcast tomorrow, Um, but the Hawks actually go to Toronto on Wednesday and on Friday for the first uh, sort of mini-series of the season, and uh, there was some reporting today on Siakam and Ananobi and trade stuff, which kind of folds into all what's going on there. We'll touch on, on the show tomorrow, but... The Raptors are not playing very well. They've actually lost four games in a row. Um, the Hawks have the same, uh, actually have almost the same record as the Raptors right now. So um, let's just say this. The Hawks have to get at least one of these, if not both. Um, I think they're better than the Raptors. We'll see if that's true in a couple of days. But um, certainly games that they're going to have to win, and there will not be the excuse of a team that you're be- that's better than you. Like, they're playing a team in the Raptors that is comparable or that is worse than them. So they cannot afford to lose both these games. And uh, hopefully, if you're the Hawks, get both these wins on the road on Wednesday and Friday. We'll have more on that, though, coming up in the future. Also, at the end of the podcast, I should tell you, if you are already a subscriber, you might see some bonus podcast content in our audio-only feeds at Spotify and Apple, etc. from the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast. That should be there in your feeds for some bonus content. As a reminder, I am not doing any less. I'm still going to be here four or five times a week, so uh, don't be distressed. But if you if you have interest in listening to some extra content, it will be there on the audio-only feeds. YouTube, it's just me, so uh, apologies on that. But please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Please leave five-star ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify if you can. But uh, please tell a friend about the show as well. If you are a listener that is dedicated to the show, first of all, I very much appreciate that. And second of all, please help us to spread the word to uh, other Hawks fans that you may know, whether it's your family or friends, etc. I would really appreciate uh, a share or something like that to help spread the word about the podcast. Also, write about the Hawks at patreon.com slash btroland. And you can follow the show on Twitter slash X at Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. I appreciate everybody listening to the show as always. We'll have a podcast planned for tomorrow. And then we'll be back again with more later on in the week after the games on Friday and Wednesday, of course. Stay tuned and we'll see you all next time. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.